0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, that was a way to start, I would say. That was awesome. Uh, You know, I always love to give a shout out to our... um, People who are watching online. So again, super quick. Want to just give a shout out to the Garcia family, uh, to Ray, to Joe, to Andrea. Appreciate you guys watching this morning and checking in online. That is awesome. Uh, so we're in a series uh, called Hungry, and um, you know I I know it's kind of mean to do that because this is about the time you're like you're in church and the stomach starts to growl and you're like. Thinking of food, and like if you come from an Italian family like me, like Sunday, like the lunch on Sunday used to be like a big deal, right? So I totally get that. Um, uh, So I decided, uh, let's just kind of keep with that. I'll tease you a little bit and just talk about some great food. Does that sound okay? And the way we're gonna do that is I'm gonna do a little game. And so I decided this week to look up what are the top most popular foods in America. And I will say, by the time I get here, like it's a pretty unscientific. Um, a, a list. I, I looked at probably, you know, I'm going to say 20 different websites to try to get info, and it was all a little bit different, so I kind of like averaged it all out and came up with this, and here's the top 10 uh, that I found, and then we're going to have a play game, and you're going to th- think if you could get the top five out of these uh, these 10, right? So, uh, from what I saw, these are the top 10 most popular foods in the US chocolate chip cookies, pizza, french fries, ice cream, grilled cheese, burgers, apple pie, hot dogs, tater tots, and fried chicken. Sound about right? All right. So I'm going to give you, we're going to do this quick, all right? I'm just going to give you a few seconds. We're going to start with the number five on that list, okay? And the next screen in a second is going to reveal what the fifth most popular food is in America. I want you to think if you could take a guess. Come on. You have like ten seconds to give out your answer. Think about it. Okay, let's see, Tom, what the first answer is. Chocolate chip cookies. Anybody have that? Oh, a few of you. Okay, let's try to keep the street going here. Okay, cool. All right, the fourth most popular food in America, according to Tom's unscientific research hot dogs. All right. Uh, okay, the third most popular food in America. I heard some of you uh, yell it out. Let's see if you're right. French fries. It is. Okay, we're getting to the last two here. You can see as we go, like, they're getting, like, pulled off that list. So those are your choices over there. Number two, think about it. Actually, it is apple pie, which leaves one of these over here as the top most popular food in the U.S., The answer is <laughs> sounds about right to me. There's nothing like a good burger, man. There's also nothing like good pizza. But all right, so um, so then I decided to have a little fun and say, oh well, how about the world? What are the most popular foods in the world? And this was even harder, and you're going to see quite a stark uh, contrast. I do not have them on the screen. I'm just going to tell you, from my unscientific research of trying to pull together all these different websites to figure it out, here's what I came up with. You could argue with me, and you might be right, but these are the five that I found. Coming in at fifth place, around the world, chicken. Coming in at fourth, Eggs. Coming in third, wheat. Number two, corn. And number one, you guys are right, rice. (laughs) Well, actually, pizza did make that list. I was surprised by that. Um, That was in the top ten. Quite a contrast between the U.S. and the rest of the world there, too, I will just say. How many people in this room are courageous enough to raise your hand and tell me, and my hand is raised here, at some point in your life, at some point in your life, and it could have been for a few days, a week, a month, a year, you have experimented with dieting. Who would join me on that? Yep, I expected that. Most everyone has their hand raised, and as you are well aware There are lots of fad diets out there. Um, and, and fad just means it was very popular at the time, and and it kind of passes away, as kind of a flash in the pan for whatever reason, and so again, I thought I would have a little fun and say, what were some of the, and I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, what were some of the fad diets through the, through the years um, that are out there? And some of you might remember some of these, and some of you won't, and that's okay. Um, I'm going to go way back to the 1830s, I hope that none of you remember this one, but... There was a fad diet that came out called the Graham Diet. And this Presbyterian minister named Sylvester Graham, he said this diet would cure sexual lust and alcoholism by reducing spices, meats, and dairy in your diet. Now, it didn't exactly work, but fun fact, um, this was where we get graham crackers from just so you know uh, then in the 1930s there was a there was something called the Hollywood grapefruit diet maybe some of you had heard of that and the idea was you eat a half a grapefruit uh, before every meal uh, I think Marilyn Monroe was a fan of this diet um, it was a very big pop culture kind of thing um, we get to the 50s this is where some of you might even remember some of this this was there was something called the cabbage soup diet and here with the cabbage soup, you could eat as much as you want. There was no limits on how much uh, soup you could eat, which I think was kind of the point. Um, uh, in 1970s, something came along called the cookie diet. The cookie diet. And, and believe it or not, the cookie diet still exists Today, I looked it up myself, uh, and it is exactly what you think it is. It's packaged cookies, and they were replacements for breakfast and lunch, and you follow it with a sensible dinner of your choice. Um, it, in the 1980s, there was something called the AIDS candy that was uh, it was a, a little um, appetite suppressant that was designed to help suppress your appetite. Um, that went away pretty quick, um, And of course, in the 80s, it bore that unfortunate resemblance, it says, to one of the most tragical medical crises of the era, and so that is uh, sad there. Uh, In the 1990s, we get to the low-fat and no-fat diets, right? And then in 2000, one of the big ones is the Atkins diet, uh, which is kind of get rid of all the fat and eating high, um, uh, encouraging high-fat whole foods and declared carbs the enemy. And then what I came down to is the 2010s and 2020s. And this website I was looking at it says this is the era of the extremes, where you kind of eliminate whole uh, things from your diet, or or you just eat at certain times, like like intermittent fasting, maybe, or um, uh, let's see, like Whole 30 or Paleo or Keto or any, anything like that. And that's where we are. And you're saying, Tom, you've gone on way too long. <laughs> I know. I get it. But I want to talk about an encounter, a phenomenon that I, that I run across all the time when it comes to the spiritual side of things. Because well-meaning, spiritually hungry people are looking for a change because what they are doing right now they know is not cutting it. And you can't exactly put your finger on where to start, but what I hear constantly is, I'm just, I don't know, I don't feel spiritually nourished, or I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere in my spiritual life. I'm just hungry for something else, but I, I can't exactly figure out what it is. And so you look for this and for that, and you try to grab onto those things that you think are gonna be that source of spiritual nourishment for you, and it comes up short. It's kind of like the fad dieting, in the spiritual realm. And so you pursue this thing with like an exaggerated zeal at some point, and then, like the definition of a fad, either uh, something else comes along to take its place for you, or number two, you don't really get the results that you want. Does anybody feel me on this? Maybe some of you are even in this spot right now, and that's my big question for you today, is does your spiritual journey look like A fad diet. Has your spiritual journey been on again, off again, on again, off again, looking for this, that, or the other thing, and you're still searching for the thing that's going to work for you? I, I realize there's a couple different groups of people in this room, and some of you are seekers. Some of you are here. You have not committed to Jesus. You're not really sure about the God thing, the religion thing. Again, respect that. Completely, and, and so you're doing it. You're, you're kind of throwing it out there like, what? I need something. Like That's a part of this series. It's like there's this God-shaped hole in all of us. We're looking for something, and you're fi- trying to find that. The problem is there are so many different ways to start pursuing that journey. There are hundreds of different religions and ideas out there. And at the end of the day, how do you know which one is the right one? And then we have people in here who would say, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been following Jesus a long time, but I still feel malnourished. I still feel like I'm looking for that thing that, that's just going to get me close to God. And, and I just, I'm not there. I'm really struggling. You're, you're not seeing the results you want. And you might be going to like life group, three different Bible studies, coming to church every week. You have time with God, maybe on your hikes or whatever. And something is still not. Lining up for you. You know, when someone comes to see a doctor or a nutritionist or a physical therapist, somebody in the you know qualified in the medical field, a good practitioner knows how to get results for their patients and to bring them to full health. And I would just say that in the same way as a pastor, as your pastor, and as maybe even a spiritual practitioner and some level, here's what I want for you. I want all of you to find a faith that is sustainable and long-lasting. A faith that is sustainable and has long-lasting results. Because I think too many Christians have given up on their faith because either either um, it was built on promises that never delivered Or you were taught, or you might actually believe, if I can just do this, then I will get the results that I'm looking for. And I want to talk about that today. I want to maybe help us find the wisdom of God for your life. Because guess what? I do think the scripture is our guide for life. And it's going to bring the wisdom to you today if we open our hearts and minds to it. And as I prepared for this message as it kind of progressed, I thought it would be helpful to talk um, to, a, to a professional in um, the health field while I did this. Because I think as I was going through it, like, the parallels are so similar. And so I turned to my sister, Yin, who is a licensed nutritional therapy practitioner. She's also the one who is playing keyboard up here today. And what she does is she supports a person's holistic health by individualizing like nutrition plans and, and supporting the foundational health uh, for each individual body. And she's trained to address and assess a variety of issues, like blood sugar regulation and digestive balance and adrenal uh, optimization, and, and just helps clients customize a package. For them, Because I asked her, I'm like, you know, if someone comes to you and says, I'm unhealthy, I know I have to do something, what do I do? You know, that's basically the question she's helping them to answer. And, she, and this were her words. She says, so many times people opt for the quick fix instead of the long-term plan. But the change they're really seeking will take time and patience, and they have to commit to the process. And I'm going to stop right there and say, think about that. Committing to the process. Have you done that in your own spiritual journey? Because that's actually one of the problems that I see. We're looking for the quick fix instead of thinking about the long haul. We want the microwave almost kind of like spiritual journey. But there are no shortcuts. Here's what we know fad diets typically don't work. And if we take the fad diet approach to our spiritual health and our spiritual longevity, chances are that that's not going to work either. So here's the question if you're taking notes, that's why we hand out those papers now. If you want to take notes, you can do this. Here's the big question for everyone today How do you build a faith that's sustainable? How do you build a faith that's sustainable? And I think when we can answer this question, the temptation to begin jumping around and finding this answer or that answer or this theology to this theology, it begins to go away. And I think it's going to help ground you and ground you not just for now, but for life. Because here's what I believe I believe it's possible to build a faith that lasts. I believe it's possible to build a faith that survives the storms of life. We just read about that and we just sang about that. I believe it's possible to live with joy and with peace. And I say that a lot, but I say that a lot because I just think in this time, in this day, and in this culture, that's what people really are looking for. They're looking for ways to make themselves happy, to find this inner joy, this peace that they can't seem to get. And I do think it's possible to live a life of communion with God that gives you true spiritual nourishment. And I also would take it a step further and say, when we could get to that place, actually you end up seeing benefits in your emotional and your physical well-being as well. I truly believe that. And that's the question. Do you, have a, do you believe in the possibility that this is even possible? Do you, is it possible to have a faith that's unshakable, a faith that brings hope and peace? And again, if you're taking notes, that's the first thing I want to say. Believe it's possible. If you are looking for the long term, a faith that is sustainable, the first thing I'm going to say is you have to believe it's possible. And the best way I know how to talk about this is by looking around or looking back and seeing the example of people who have lived across the ages and you can look at their life and say, there is something different about them. There was something different about them. Oh my goodness, they even gave their life for this cause for this relationship that they had with Jesus that's powerful and i think the bible talks about that in hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 where it says we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith there are people that have gone before that we can look to as examples Towards the end, I'm going to look at somebody in particular in Scripture. But you and I have both seen and heard the stories of people's lives who were transformed by Jesus. I believe it's possible. Number two, if you're looking for a faith that's sustainable, small steps make a huge impact. Small steps make huge impact. Impact. The change you are seeking, the thing you are looking for, is going to take time and patience, and you must commit to the process. And so I talked to Leanne about this. I, I talked to her about the dynamic of how a conversation might go with someone who is looking to make that life change for themselves. And she said a couple things. She says, First, I ask them, observe what you're currently doing. And I would ask the same on a spiritual level. What are you currently doing to pursue Jesus in your individual time? That's where we got to stop. We got to be honest about where we are. We got to admit where we are. That's the first thing. And then she would say to her client, she goes, I want you to start now. Okay, you hear this. I want you to start with one thing. One thing. And she, you know, side note, and if you know my sister at all, she's like, you need to start with water, okay? Water number one. She goes, how much do you drink water? And, and um, you know, maybe you say, well, I don't know. I, I might, have had a, might have had a glass of water today. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, and, and you know what's funny? You laugh because um, it's true. Like, I was in that boat, right? You might get three, four ounces in. And she's like, you know, okay, I want you to do this. I want you to go and get one of those water bottles, like 32-ounce water bottles. I want you to fill it up. And I just want you to get through as much as you can. That's your goal this week. Just get through as much of that each day as you can. And then number three, progress from there. She says, but you have to prioritize the most important things right away. And it was interesting what she said. She would say, water Activity and then this one surprised me although it doesn't surprise me as in rest because this is how I framed it to her because I like I'm in the middle of like um uh, college trips now with my daughter and we visited a couple colleges she, she's finishing up her junior year this year and believe it or not this is the time right so we're going there and, and so this is my frame of mind recently and so I said if, if your daughter was going off to college what would you tell her to keep optimal health what would, you, what would you tell your daughter she says water and activity and rest and I started thinking about that in the context of our spiritual lives what's the water what's the water To me, to me, it's being God's word. It's church community. You need these things as refreshment in your life. What's the activity? It's serving, beginning to do good for God's kingdom. It's giving, it's being generous, doing for the kingdom work. And then there's this thing we always forget. It's the rest piece. It's just as important to both your spiritual journey and your physical journey. But then I think of rest. I'm like, oh, yeah, we need to have time. We need to have margin for reading, for learning, for spending time with families or other margin in your life that you can do the things that fill you. What an unbelievable parallel for me. She goes, we need to prioritize nourishment. And then I thought about a scripture, um, and it's Paul, our friend Paul, who we've talked about so much this year, and he's talking to this young man named Timothy, and this is what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he goes, you are going to be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished, he uses that exact term, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Stop wasting time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. It kind of reminds me of the fad diet thing. He goes, instead, train yourselves to be godly. Train yourself. I underlined that in my Bible. Because training is not just once and done. Training is time over time over time over time. And then he goes on, and this is one thing I love about uh, Paul's writing. He, he does often bring it back to like the physical and the real tangible, practical things of the world. He goes on in a passage that a lot of you know. He goes, physical, physical training is good. It's really good. But spiritual training is even better. And he gets to the end of that passage. Verse 15, he says, give your complete attention to these matters. Prioritize it. Focus on it. This is what you are doing right now. You must pay attention to what you do. When I was on my journey, you, you, know, you log your food every single day. You have to play compete, uh, complete pay complete attention to those things. He goes on to say, throw yourselves into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. And I highlight and I make a note, it says, commit to the process. He goes on and says in verse 16, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. And I love this part, stay true to what is Right? for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. There's so much wrapped up into that sentence right there. Stay true to what is right. This is a long haul. This is a process. And guess what? When you are in that position, people are going to look at you and say, something is de- he, that's dedicated, committed. I want that in my life. Third and final, be accountable. You're looking for a faith that nourishes, that sustains, that's long-lasting. You have to be accountable. Uh, Talking to Leanne, she said her number one piece of feedback from her clients is this. Thank you for listening to me. People need to hear that it's okay, That you're going to be okay, and I'm going to help you along the way. The other thing she says is people often get overwhelmed. And this is the mindset that they have. If they screw up once, I mean, why bother keep going? I messed it up. And isn't that so true sometimes when we shift our mind into the spiritual how could God love me? How could I move past this mistake? I'm just, just going to stop trying. Except here's what I've learned in my spiritual journey. When I get to be around people who help keep me accountable, and, and I don't mean like grilling me. I mean people who give, this is the word I put down, grace. That bring grace to your life. People who you can talk to without judgment. I use that word safe all the time because I think it's so critical that we have people who are safe for us that we can process with. That's accountability. We challenge each other. As iron sharpens iron, God's word says. But it's okay to screw up sometimes. That's the grace we need from other people in our life. That's why I'm huge on life groups. Because all throughout the years, I have met people that have met me where I'm at and said, it's okay. We're with you. We're going to be here for you. We're with you on the journey. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 says, well, actually, I'm going to just look at verse 13. It says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. And if you are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as when you first believe." You will share in all that belongs to Christ. There's an eternal benefit to speaking into someone's life. See, listen, fat diets aren't necessarily harmful. They just don't last. And I would assert that we're all looking on a spiritual level, for the thing that lasts for the long haul, the long obedience. The accumulation of all the small steps over a journey of time. The one yes you say today, the one yes you say to Jesus today matters. The one yes you say to Jesus tomorrow matters. The no that you say to that temptation in your life today matters. Just work on that one. The long obedience in the same direction. Commit to the process. It's a great book, by the way. I read it about five years ago when I was on a sabbatical. I told you I wanted to talk about Uh, Somebody and I'm going to do this as I close, there's a a person in the Bible, because again, kind of the foundation for this series was these interactions that Jesus had with people all along while he was living here, and how he transformed their life. So there's one person I want to just briefly touch on that Jesus had an interaction with that I see this happen. This complete transformative life change over time, and lots of screw-ups, and lots of mess-ups, and lots of misdirection, things that he was taught that he had to unlearn over time. One of them being that he didn't think that God's good news was for everyone; it was just for the Jewish people. He, he had to come overcome all this, all this stuff. Right? His name is Peter. Back in Matthew, uh, I believe it's chapter four. Jesus comes to Matthew and his brother, I'm sorry, Jesus comes to Peter and his brother, Andrew, and he sees them afar off and they're fishermen, right? And he go, and he's this is the time where he's like building, you know, his, his disciple group. And he's saying, I want you and I want you. And he literally points at him and he says, come follow me. And they dropped their nets and they followed him for a life that they had no idea where they were going. And by the way, side note, Jesus is saying that to you today. Come follow me. Come follow me. You're like, I don't even know what to do. That's okay. Just follow me. Leave your net. (laughs) So if you look at Scripture, all throughout Scripture, you have these different points that Peter is highlighted uh, throughout. And there was a story that came to my mind last night as I was going through this again, and it's the story, it's in Matthew chapter 14. And because I'm out of time, I won't read it all, but there's this this time where the disciples are in a boat and this raging storm is going on and it says they were terrified. Sound like life? And then all of a sudden this shadow in the distance appears who's walking on water and we know that's Jesus because he could do anything because he's amazing. And Peter says, I want to do that. And Jesus says, come follow me. And he steps out on the boat, on the water. Do you remember what happened? What happened? He sunk. (laughs) Sound familiar? But you know what? What I love about that story Well, this is the part I want to read. He goes, uh, he saw the strong wind and the waves. He was terrified and began to sink. And he says, save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed him. And he says, you have so little faith. Jesus says, why do you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. Hey, hey, you take that wrong step. Here's what I think Jesus admired about that story. Peter actually had the courage to step out. And Jesus goes and he picks him up and he puts him back in the boat. But this happened all throughout Peter's life. Peter ends up chopping some dude's ear off because he was angry. He denies Jesus more than once. And this is towards the end. Now he has seen Jesus' miracles. He's participated in Jesus' miracles. He says, "I'll never deny you." And then when push came to shove, and people got in his face, and he was afraid for his own life, he denied Peter. Uh, he denied Jesus. But here's what I don't know if I never ever noticed this before. I went to the very last. Uh, I think it's the very last chapter in John John chapter 21 where he have this his last encounter with Peter ever so Jesus had died he rose again he meets up with his disciples and various people in that time before between when he rose again and when he ascends back up into heaven and here's what's fascinating Jesus leaves him and you want to guess what he says to him Peter just follow me. Just follow me. I found that fascinating. It was like mind-blowing. It's like you started here, and you call, you think you got it all set, like, follow me. Let's go. And you think you got to all it all figured out? And the very last word he said to one of the greatest, in fact, he called Peter the rock of the church. That's why we're sitting here today. And the very last words he says to him before he leaves, he goes, keep following me. I finish with this. Therefore, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, that's we're after. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, our personal trainer, our nutritionist, the one who gives spiritual nourishment, the champion is what my Bible says, who initiates and perfects our faith over time. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he has seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. That's a long obedience in the same direction. The same joy that we could have in this life, I think, never ends. He promises a life with him, this life and the next. So listen, don't buy into the myth of the fad diet. Develop a faith. That's the long obedience. You're in it for the long haul. Let's pray. God, we all have something to learn today, no matter where we are on the journey. And forever, for, for everyone, wherever they are, I pray that you would illuminate, maybe if just one thing. So yeah, you know, I got to stop, I got to pause, I got to evaluate that right here. Maybe that one thing for you, as we just keep our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe that one thing for you is just to continue on the journey that you're on towards faith, towards Jesus, that you say, you know, I'm gonna stop looking elsewhere. I got, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go this as long as I can. God's calling you, follow me, follow me. Maybe for those of you who have been following Jesus, your next step is, you know, you need to lose the weight that is so easily setting you back, throwing it all off, the thing that's holding you back. I want you to believe it's possible. I want you to start small. And I want you to be accountable. Lord, I pray that you would help us in those steps today. We love you. In Jesus' name.